0: Hello and welcome to another podcast of Reconstructionist Radio called Setting the Record Straight. My name is Russell Trawick. I am the pastor of Christ Covenant Church in Alvin, Texas and I will be your host for today. In my last episode or my last podcast, The Origin of Liberty Part 1, we discussed where liberty comes from and what happens when we abandon the law of God for the law of man. Today I want to delve even further into this Discussion, because of many people's responses, including Reformed Christian responses to the Colin Kaepernick situation and their questioning of the validity of Christian libertarianism and so on. Recently, a decently well-known man in my circles that preaches and, pre- and teaches wrote this statement, Worship of the state and allegiance to a country are two very different things. I've spoken in past podcasts on idolatry and similar topics of false worship, so I won't go into further detail about worship of the state. However, I do not do want to look at the latter part of this man's statement, allegiance to a country is a very different thing. Now, I'm not going to name this man, because it's not the man I'm concerned about, but rather the particular speech and reasoning from so many in pulpits and pews today on this subject. What does allegiance mean? I believe the word, as noble as it sounds, can be very dangerous. Noel Webster, in his American Dictionary of the English Language in 1828, wrote, "...the tie or obligation of a subject to his prince or government, the duty of fidelity to a king, government, or state. Every native or citizen owes allegiance to the government under which he is born." This is called natural or implied allegiance, which arises from the connection of a person with the society in which he is born, and his duty to, a faithful, to be a faithful subject, independent of any express promise. Notice that. Express allegiance that is, ob, that ob, is that obligation which proceeds from an express promise or oath of fidelity. Local or temporary allegiance is due from an alien to the government or state in which he resides. On the surface, this definition has a ring of truth to it. But as a presuppositional apologist, it makes my eye twitch. And I have to ask the question of Mr. Webster, by what standard and where can it be found? Book, chapter, and verse, please. I do believe what Noah Webster is defining here, truthfully, is in a sense patriotism. But by default, this definition ends in statism. This is because the root of the word allegiance is the word liege which Webster also defines as bound by feudal tenure obliged to be faithful and loyal to a superior as a vassal to his lord subject faithful as a liegeman uh, by liege homage a va- by liege homage a vassal was bound to serve his lord against all without accepting his sovereign or against all except a former lord to which he owes like service. Sovereign as a liege lord. Noun version of a vassal holding a fee by which he is bound to perform certain services and duties to his lord. A lord or superior. A sovereign. Hear these words expressed as a verb. Bound. Obligatory faithfulness and loyalty. Bound to service against all without rejecting your sovereign. Who is your Sovereign. According to this definition, it is your earthly Lord whom you owe undying allegiance. So allegiance to country is not the same as worship? Come on, man. Matthew 6.24 says, "...no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money." The reality is that anything can be plugged into where money is described, for uh, anything can violate the second commandment, become an idol of devotion, and devotion is literally worship. Noah Webster scores again, but this time in an affirmative, what allegiance really is as he describes devotion the state of being dedicated, consecrated, or solemnly set apart for a particular purpose. A solemn attention to the supreme being in a worship. A yielding of the heart and affections to God. With reverenced faith and piety in religious duties. Particularly particularly in prayer and meditation. Devoutness. External worship. Acts of religion. Performance of religious duties. In Acts 17, 22-23, Paul addresses the Athenians saying, I perceive that in every way... You are very religious, for as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship. Other translations say objects of your devotion. That word in the Greek is the word sabasma, which means whatever is religiously honored, an object of worship, of temples, altars, statues, idolatrous images. This is so closely tied to Matthew six twenty four quotation earlier, whereas is, is the word. Uh, devoted that is used, which in the Greek Antikomai, which means to hold before or against, hold back withstand, endure, to keep oneself directly opposite to anyone to hold to to him firmly, cleave to paying heed to him the object or person of our devotion we pay heed or homage to to pay homage or devotion to someone or something is to make a sacrificial offering unto them When our object or person of devotion is anything or anyone other than the Lord God, we are not only giving our backing, we are not only giving honor, but we are pledging our worship. To pledge allegiance to any man or any country is to pledge worship. It is to give a devotion, a sacrificial offering of commitment of life and livelihood to that which we are devoted. Now Matthew six twenty. 16, uh, 16.24 says that we cannot serve two masters because in the end we will be devoted to one, pledge allegiance to one, worship one, and despise the other, be in rebellion and oppose the other. We cannot have allegiances to two opposing masters and there is only one worthy of our allegiance, our worship, our Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 45, 22-23. 3 says, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, for my mouth has gone out in righteousness, a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear allegiance. So when this man says worship of the state and allegiance to a country are two different things, it's like saying soft porn and hardcore pornography aren't the same thing. One might be a less intense version of the other, but man's addictiveness to devotion always leads to the other. The same is true of pledging allegiance to one's country. A partial or false pledge of allegiance will, by devotion, ultimately become nationalism or statism. That is why this man's response to a second-string football player kneeling during the national anthem is so telling. According to Titus 3... 1-11, After warning him once and then twice, have nothing to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self condemned. See, when a man offers up an absolute statement without scripture, he is being nothing more than divisive and quarrelsome and acting more like a pagan than a Christian because we are exhorted in Second Timothy fourteen and fifteen to charge them before God to not quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. This is a person who doesn't seek to call men to repentance unto Christ in this situation. Yielded and submitted to his lordship alone on this topic because he can't. You hear that? This man doesn't call the call the regenerate, as Titus 3 says, to devote themselves to good works. But rather he makes an absolute statement. Worship of the state and allegiance to a country are two different things. With zero scriptural support or explanation. He calls all men, both the regenerate and the reprobate, to repent for not being a liege to the country. That's what he does. This person is not only quarrelsome, but double-minded. For this is a man who steps in pulpits across this nation and across this world. And he says allegiance is to a country? This person's not only quarrelsome, but double-minded. According to Psalms 119.113, we are to have a hatred for double-mindedness, but love God's law. For a double-minded man is, according to James 1.8, unstable in all his ways. I do believe what we need to address, and which I believe is at the heart of this whole debate, liberty. And Christian liberty more specifically. No, I do not believe there is liberty toward double-mindedness, but there must be a willingness, yes, to bear with the double-minded, at least for a short time. And I do not believe that there is to be unity with false worship and false allegiance and swearing false oaths. But I believe we are are to patiently bear with those who do while calling them to repentance. But one must understand liberty to know when one's liberty has been violated. Just listen to my last podcast, as I said earlier, The Origin of Liberty, Part 1, to get a better understand of what I'm, understanding of what I'm talking about. But let's look at this controversy over the football player who bends a knee in protest. However misguided you think this backup quarterback might be, your view of liberty, especially, especially Christian liberty, is at stake. This football player is kneeling because he believes there is is injustice and inequality toward people of color in this country and believes standing and placing a hand over one's heart, a sign of pledging allegiance to that flag, is something that promotes dishonesty of what he believes is going on. Now whether you think he's just going along with the social narrative of the day or a political movement, it is of no consequence. But liberty is, especially Christian liberty. If you go to a foreign country... And their national anthem is played. Do you stand? Do you place your hand over your heart? If you were in North Korea, do you salute its supreme leader as if he's God like the people do? Do you go into a Catholic church, Catholic funeral, and recite all the sayings and prayers? And do you go to the wake and say Hail Mary's with the rest of them? Do you go to a Mormon temple and sing and pray with them? Do you go to a Buddhist temple and chant or pray with them? Do you light a candle with a Hindu to a false god? Do you say the Muslim motto in an Islamic country? No, you don't. Why? Is it a treasonous act against one's country or against one's church? That's not why you don't do it. You don't do these things because in all these cases it is a violation against the God of the Bible saying that all men ought to stand and pledge allegiance to pledge devotion to Pledge worship toward a flag is no different than requiring someone to do the aforementioned and pledging allegiance to a host country or participating in acts of worship with false religions. Ultimately, I believe for the Christian, there must be liberty given. I wholeheartedly believe that both the national anthem and the pledge both violate the first and second commandments. I believe there should not be an American flag, much less a Christian flag in a church building. Now we are talking about an area of Christian liberty, but I can give even further reasoning beyond violating God's commands. The American flag is always supreme in relation to any other flag. In Texas, we can fly the state flag on a separate pole at the same level as we are on republic. But if on the same pole, it must be flown underneath, showing its inferiority. If flown separately, it is always flown to the right of the American flag, Showing it it is secondary in nature. Where then is the Christian flag flown? Well, it's flown in the same way as the state. As inferior. Now, this is a further reasoning for appealing to the mind. Now, if I believe that pledging allegiance and so forth is a violation of the first and second commandments, who should dare ask? Much less require me to violate my conscience. And why should any Christian care... If it makes the nation's, nation rage about us. Romans 14 verses 1-9 through 9 reads, As for the one who is weak in the faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in the honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be both Lord of the dead and of the living. So why do you pass judgment on your brother? or Why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord. Sounds familiar? Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know I'm persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So don't let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God. Is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes peace and for mutual upbuilding. In addition, the kingdom of God is not about allegiance or non-allegiance to a country. It is about allegiance to God and his son Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. So stop passing on biblical frivolous judgments upon myself and others who have such a view of Scripture. If all us fails, view us at least as the weaker brethren and fulfill Scripture's requirement, which in no way do I believe we represent the weaker brethren here. Treat us as your brothers and sisters in Christ and not as pagans. That is, unless you you value your Asherah pole and its adornment so greatly that in reality you're the pagan and desire to make people like myself a martyr for the calling and purpose of Christ. I want to also beg for people to stop the, the pleas to emotions that when we pledge or stand for the national anthem we remember those who have given their lives for our freedom, this also including police officers. Two things here. One, just as according to Le- Leviticus nineteen twenty-seven through 28 tells me not to cut my beard or tattoo my body for the dead, I will not pledge allegiance or worship and devotion to a thing that does the same thing, even though I believe beards, length of beards and tattoos are a matter of Christian liberty. And two, nobody, and I mean nobody, who has given their life in battle at home and abroad, is ever given liberty in any matter in comparison to what Christ Jesus did, at, as John 8.36 says, If the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And especially though I value all life and livelihood, I will not honor those who seek to take away the freedom Christ has given and enforced unjust laws by swearing allegiance and false worship of anything to an object, an idea, or a nation. I just will not. I will be the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego of my day and refuse to bow down to an idol and violate the love I have for my Lord and his law. Jesus Christ alone is worthy of my allegiance, my worship, and my devotion. And I will not either divide that or compromise that with a nation or a people that does not. Lastly, do not bother telling me that if I do not like this country or do not want to stand for the national anthem or say the pledge that I should leave. Firstly, it is the same kind of reasoning of humanistic thought and persecution that brought Christian men and women to this country to settle it. Who viewed the crown of King Jesus as its only supreme authority. Have you ever read the Mayflower Compact and its purpose? It is the same humanistic thought that tells us to leave. Secondly, I challenge you to take my presence up with God by His sovereign purpose... And will I am here today. For God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. Having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Acts 17.26 I trust God's will. I trust God's will and his attention over any man's. Although I will not pledge allegiance to a flag or a nation that is an abomination to the Lord I adore. I am a Christian Reconstructionist patriot. As I've said in in a prior podcast Patriotism versus nationalism, I will defend this nation where God has planted my feet from any threat of, or terror, whether foreign or domestic. So where does this leave us? It leaves us with this question. What is the object of your allegiance, your worship, your devotion? The answer to this question tells you who your master is. If it is not the Lord your God or your allegiance is divided, then I call you today to repent of your sin against the Holy God and violating His commands given in the first and second commandments. Thank you for listening to Setting the Record Straight. Join us on Facebook at the Reconstructionist Radio Discussion Group. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to listen to all of our podcasts and to download our free audiobooks.